my dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach. And as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Hi, everybody. Yesterday, August 28th, was the 94th birthday of the great Romanian baritone Nicolae Herle. Just to avoid confusion, let me state that this was a posthumous celebration as he died in 2014 at the age of 86. I know we've been hearing a lot of Figaro's on this podcast recently, but I want you to hear this gentleman with the enormous voice, who sang the role of Rossini's Figaro 550 times over the course of his career. Nicolae Herle, unlike many of his Romanian colleagues from that era, is fairly well remembered in the West. He spent three seasons at the Metropolitan Opera from 1964 to 1967. He sang at La Scala Milan. He was a featured artist at the Bolshoi for 12 seasons, and he sang in many other important companies around the world. I've got a lot of Nicolai Herle to play for you today. Let's start with a spliced together performance of a portion of the prologue from Pagliacci. I'm starting with Unido di Memorie, and that recording is from an album of opera arias that he made in 1963, from which, incidentally, the Barber aria also comes. Then when we get to the gorgeous expanding melody, I am going to cut to a 1966 studio recording of the complete opera in which Nicolai Herle sang the role of Tonio. Oh, <laughs> 
Nikolai Herle's first musical experience that he remembered was at the age of 13, singing the national anthem at a public gathering. At the age of 14, he had to consult a specialist about a problem with his tonsils. The doctor looked at his cords and refused to perform the tonsillectomy because he recognized that his young patient's vocal cords were extraordinary. This was the first indication that his voice might prove to be a viable instrument. He studied at the Bucharest Conservatory with a singer named Aurelius Costescu Duca, who lived from 1888 to 1955. He was also a baritone, and his career took him to such places as Zagreb, Vienna, Zurich, Bratislava, and Budapest and he was one of the founders of the Romanian Opera Company. Unfortunately, I have not been able to find any recordings of him, which is a pity. It would be interesting to compare his style with that of Herles. Further study took Nicolae Herle to Italy, where he studied with the pianist Giorgio Favaretto, a famous accompanist and coach who we have encountered in this podcast before, accompanying Gloria Davy, but he made recordings with many artists, including Marcella Pobé, Eugenia Zaresca, Anna Moffo, and Nicola Rossi-Lemeni, 
a singer whose wife we will encounter later in this episode. One of his very early successes, following his operatic debut as Silvio in Pagliacci, was a long-standing engagement at the Bolshoi in Moscow. From that period comes the recording we're going to sample next. Over the past year, partially spurred on by my great love for Ileana Kotrubash, I began collecting recordings of other Romanian singers, specifically those active in the 50s and 60s, the generation just preceding Kotrubash's. In particular, I'd like to thank Sebastian at the Lazy Hour store in Oradie, who has sent me so many wonderful recordings. He often reaches out to me, in fact, to ask me if I'm interested in a particular release, which I very often am. So thank you, Sebastian. It's because of you and others like you that I have been able to pursue this interest in great Romanian singers. Just recently, I got a package from Russia that had, I think, one of his rarest recordings, a 1959 operatic recital with the late Gennady Rozdestvensky conducting the USSR Radio and Television Symphony Orchestra. I'm going to play you three short excerpts from that. First of all, here is Avant de quitter ses lieux, Valentin's aria from Faust, sung in Romanian. Romanian. <laughs> Portion of Yeletsky's aria from Tchaikovsky's Peak Dam, 
again sung in Romanian. I found an interview with Herlet from late in his life when he said that he never took on any roles in Russian at the Bolshoi because he did not speak Russian and didn't want to be an imposter or presumptuous taking on roles in a language that he did not speak. But thank goodness he did record this aria. His voice is at its most honeyed here. Now here is an excerpt from a role that was central to his career, Gérard in Andrea Chénier by Giordano. This is, again, a portion of the aria Nemico della Patria from that 1959 recording on the Melodia label with Rostestvensky conducting. Oh, <laughs> 
padrone, un servo patiente di violenta passione, appaggio, uccido, By now, you've probably heard a few of the characteristics of this voice that I'd just like to discuss with you. First of all, he's technically so incredibly secure. He has such ease in his transition to the top notes, which are incredibly powerful. The voice sounds so enormous. Sometimes the voice gets a little bit of a beat in it that is what I think a colleague of mine would simply refer to as the natural vibrato being allowed to express itself, shall we say. It doesn't bother me. I hope it doesn't bother you either. But there is another characteristic of hairless singing, and that is that he is not always the most imaginative interpreter. But in some of the other examples that we're going to listen to, we will hear that this is not always the case and that in roles like Germain in Traviata 
and the title role of Rigoletto that he actually was capable of a great deal of subtlety. But now, let us throw subtlety to the winds and listen to Nikolai Herle in excerpts from his two albums of Neapolitan songs, of which I think he was an extraordinary exponent. From the first album, Dici Tincelo Vuye, a very popular song of its type, composed by Rodolfo Falvo, with words by Enzo Fusco. This recording is from 1963. <laughs> Nearly two decades later, Nikolai Herle made a second volume of Neapolitan songs. The arrangements are much tackier and include a vocal ensemble backing him up. You can hear how, by this point in his life, the vocal quality had changed. It had gotten much darker And according to some comments that I have read online, evidently his pitch became much less dependable as he got older. But I have made my selections with great care so that we can hear him at his best. So the next song we're going to hear is from that 1980 album of Neapolitan songs, the follow-up recording. This is Passione by Ernesto Tagliaferri, Nicola Valenti and Libera Bovio and of course you know this song even with a deeper almost more basso like sound Herle still brings an incredible sense of expulsive joy and passion to his performance <laughs> So Santa, the 
Now to round off this portion of the program, let's give a listen to his recording of O Sole Mio from the 1963 album of Neapolitan songs. This performance is just infused with sunlight and vocal abandon. I just love it. Before we enter the next portion of the program, I just want to remind my listeners that I am nearing the end of my second season, and as I move toward the debut of season three, which will happen at the beginning of October, I'm going to be making a big push to increase my listener support on Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can now do so either through monthly contributions anywhere from $2 on up, or single yearly contributions from $25 on up. For those who contribute that minimum amount, you will gain access to all of the bonus episodes that I have posted. Today, I will be posting bonus episode 24, which features the songs of the Hungarian-Romanian composer Nikolai Bretan, sung by Nikolai Herle's colleague, the Hungarian-Romanian baritone Ludovic Konya. Just to give you a very brief taste of what you'll encounter there, let me play two short songs for you by Nikolai Pretan, sung by Ludovic Konya. The first is called, and I'm going to slaughter this, Shacele Dulci Pareri di Rao. I'm sure that's completely wrong. 
please forgive me. The poem is by the eminent Romanian poet Mihai Eminescu, and it translates as, And that sweet remorse and love's quarreling, might there be a God capable of forgiving them? Were you and I one, equivalent to the soil, your treason and my curse would be eternal twins. In eternity's black void, my curse will be reborn, and what you alone would not admit, the whole world will see. So this is a very macho, angry, aggressive song. Ludovic Konya is accompanied by the pianist Ferdinand Weiss in this live recording from Budapest in 1973. <laughs> Here is a very brief song called Gazelle. The poet is, again, a renowned Romanian poet. George Koshbuk. Koshbuk. Koshbuk? George Koshbuk. This song is called Gazelle. It is a depiction of a shy young thing embarrassed to be in love with a handsome young man. People taunt me that I am young and in love. You told me to meet you at the mill this evening, but I'd meet my friends there, and I have to hide from them. I saw you yesterday on the road, but was afraid to stop you, embarrassed by what my mother would say, embarrassed by you as well. I resent the whole world. I'm angry at being alive. I want to leave you, but it hurts too much. I want to leave you, but I don't dare. This recording is from a live concert in Cluj in 1975. Thank you. 
to be able to hear other music by this composer and with this singer on that bonus episode that I will be posting before the end of the day today, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash countermelody. I'm really aiming to reach at least 50 supporters by the start of season three. I think it's doable. And I thank you so much for your support. A big part of season three is going to be introducing my listeners to singers from the other side of what used to be called the Iron Curtain in the 50s and 60s, when the communist regime kept a tight lockdown on most of the singers and artists that appeared in those countries. I had mentioned that so many of the artists with whom Herle worked were not really renowned at all in the West. In this next section, I'm going to play extended excerpts from complete recordings that Nikolai Herle made with fellow Romanian artists, some of whom you have probably heard of and some of whom you have probably not. First, because we've already heard a little bit of his tonio, let me play the duet for you between Tonio and Nedda from that 1966 recording of Pagliacci. Nedda here is sung by soprano Arta Florescu. Arta Florescu lived from 1921 to 1998 and was considered one of the great Romanian sopranos between the 50s and the 70s. Occasionally she made appearances in the West, at Gleinborn, Vienna in Amsterdam, and a number of German opera houses, but primarily her career was focused in Romania. She began singing coloratura roles and eventually took on roles such as Desdemona, Aida, and both of Verdi's Leonores. Later in her career, she became a voice teacher, and a number of the most significant Romanian singers studied with her. Viorica Cortes, the mezzo, Marina Krilovici, Eugenia Moldoveanu, and Julia Varadi. This is a full-blooded performance and not at all subtle, and that's perfectly all right with me. I think I'm ready. 
Now we're going to hear an extended excerpt from Act Two of a recording by the Romanian Opera Company of La Traviata from 1968. Here we encounter, for the first time on the podcast, I believe, the great Romanian soprano Virginia Zeani, who in approximately two months' time will celebrate her 96th birthday. Of course, she's very well known in the West not just for her operatic performances, but also for her teaching, having been ensconced for many years at IU, Indiana University, where an absolute cornucopia of great singers came from her studio. She was one of the really significant violettas. There was a famous live performance in which she jumped in at the very last minute at Covent Garden, replacing an ailing Joan Sutherland and gave a performance, which one can still hear, which set the audience completely on its ear. She had a world career that was primarily focused in Italy. And in fact, in 1957, Virginia Zeani and Nicola Rossi-Lemeni, who I mentioned earlier, were married and remained so until his death in 1991. 
Let me stop talking and just play the extended excerpt from Act Two of the encounter between Violetta and her lover Alfredo's father, Giorgio Germont.
Next, we are going to encounter another Romanian singer, the tenor Ludovic Spies. Ludovic Spies was a dramatic tenor who had a brief but international career between the years of 1962 and 1976. His performances included appearances with Herbert von Karajan as Dimitri in Boris Godunov, singing the roles of Dalibor and Radames at the Wiener Staatsoper opposite Leonie Riesenek, a handful of performances at the Met in 1971, and at Covent Garden in 1973. Additionally, for a number of years, he was a leading tenor with the Zurich Opera Company, where he was a member of the ensemble. He had to abandon his career in the late 70s because of damage to his vocal cords. Later he became later he became Minister of Culture in the post communist government in Romania and also served as chief administrator at the National Opera in Romania from two thousand one to two thousand five, though evidently he was neither beloved nor revered in that position. But he was a damn good singer, as you will hear in this 1970 excerpt from a complete recording of Forza del Destino. This is the first of two duets between the combatant tenor and baritone Don Alvaro, the tenor, and Don Carlo, the baritone. This is a moment after which Alvaro has been apparently 
mortally wounded, and is about to go under the surgeon's knife. At this point, the two men are in parity, and they sing of their devotion to each other. Here is the Solenin Questora duet.
Now we will hear something from Nikolai Herle's complete recording of Rigoletto. When Herle appeared as Rigoletto at the Met, he was roundly criticized for lacking subtlety and for a lack of vocal refinement. There are moments in this recording where one can hear that, but in this final scene from the opera, in which we hear Rigoletto both in his moment of greatest triumph and at his most profound despair when he discovers his dying daughter within the burlap sack that he thinks contains the body of his arch-nemesis the Duke. In this performance, we hear very briefly the sparafucile of Nicolai Florei and the tenor Ion Buse, who had a significant career both in and out of Romania, and who is one of the most important tenors of his generation. He was barely 30 years old when he made this recording, and you hear the great ease with which he sings the reprise of La Donna Immobile. The soprano Magda Ianculescu is the Gilda. She lived from 1929 to 1995 and again had a career that was primarily focused in Romania. She was an exceedingly beautiful woman and began singing coloratura parts and eventually, somewhat surprisingly on the basis of this recording, began to sing the heavier Verdi parts as well. It's an odd voice. I don't dislike it, but it's an acquired taste. See what you think. Here's the final scene from that 1965 recording of Rigoletto. Oh, 
illuminato il sito, più avanti più profondo il porgo, presto qualcuno mi sorprenda. Si muove, 
Verdi selection that we will hear today is from an all Verdi operatic recital that Herle recorded in 1973. You hear a slight darkening of the vocal quality, but if anything, increased ease in the upper registers. This is the aria O de Verdanni miei from Ernani. I'm not sure that this is a role that Herle sang on the operatic stage, but it's an incredibly impressive performance, I think.
I have an observation about the way that many of these Romanian records simply look. They just look terrible. The label is called Electricord, and they used the most horrible generic covers or dreadful photographs of the artists. Really, zero design, almost anti-design, so that it's extremely difficult to even guess when these records were actually issued. For instance, between Herle's two recordings in 1963 and 1980 of Neapolitan songs, there's almost no difference in the way that the album covers look. The photographs are grainy, out of focus, and the reissues of these complete recordings that I've been playing for you, they've been prodigiously reissued in the West, but invariably with the most ghastly-looking covers that you wouldn't think twice about actually listening to any of them. And what a shame that is, because as you hear, these are incredibly viable performances by some of the most extraordinary artists. They may lack the ultimate word in refinement or subtlety, but since when is that what opera is supposed to be about? It's supposed to be about voice, voice, voice. And you certainly get that in the majority of those recordings. Not all of the artists featured are necessarily my taste or to my liking, but so many of them are. So just a little shout out. If you ever come across any of these and you're thinking, ew, why bother? I'm telling you, bother. This is all by way of introducing Nikolai Herle's last selection on today's podcast. This is a 45 from the year 1981. It's called Anotimpul Yubiri, Melody de Dragoste cu Nicolai Herle. Meaning, The Season of Love, Love Songs with Nicolai Herle. This 45 exemplifies everything that I have just been talking about, about the appearance of many of these electric chord releases. First of all, he's got this greasy comb over, he's got lipstick on, someone's done something weird with his eyes, the wallpaper that he's standing up against would just give you nightmares. But I'm telling you, one of the songs on here in particular just touches me so deeply. Well, I love the song anyway because I'm an old sap, but you already know that. The song in its Romanian transfiguration is called Luceferi Mari. What's that, you ask? What about the love theme from Romeo and Juliet? Hmm? That's right. No lyricist is credited with this, but Luceferi Mari translates as bright morning stars. So, given that, I think we can kind of fill in the blanks about what kind of a love song this is.
I just need to say this. I am by no means making fun of the way that Nikolai Herle looked. In some of the photos that I have found of him, he's an incredibly handsome man. And even if he weren't, in this final interview that I found with him, there was a quote from him saying, I give great thanks that I was not the most stunningly handsome man out there. It allowed me to live a normal life. I do believe that I mentioned at the very outset of the podcast that Nikolai Herle died in February 2014 at the age of 86. He had emigrated to Germany with his wife and sons some years earlier and lived out the remainder of his days in retirement in Frankfurt. I have two footnotes to today's episode, actually three. I want to thank so many of you who contacted me about the Gilbert Price episode last week, including a dear friend of mine on Facebook who actually was a student of Gilbert Price's when he was teaching in Vienna at the end of his life. She reiterated to me how beloved he was and how much he changed the lives of those who worked with him. It was such a shock to me to wake up last week and find out that overnight Mickey Grant had died. A similar thing happened to me yesterday when I was in communication with a friend about what I'm planning for the upcoming season of Counter Melody, and I mentioned specifically the Polish soprano Teresa Giliskara. Mere minutes later, I received the first report of her death yesterday at the age of 91. So I shall be taking a short detour. I was planning on featuring her at the beginning of my third season as one of the most memorable and gorgeous-voiced sopranos in my listening experience. For better or for worse, I'm going to bump that episode up and do a tribute to her next week, just to acknowledge her now. I want to play for you a live performance that she gave in Valencia 
with the pianist Eva Osinska. Unknown date, I'm guessing, from her vocal estate. It was probably in the late 70s, early 80s. This is Gabrielle Fauré's song Les Berceaux. It's a meditation on the cycles of life and the tides that come and go. Finally, I just want to ask you guys a question. Do you ever listen to music just for the sake of having a good cry? Because I do. I hope that doesn't mark me as some sort of weirdo. I mean, if I'm a weirdo, I'm a weirdo. I don't think that even figures into my weirdness. Anyway, one of the recordings that I would always put on if I needed a good cry, was Nancy Griffith's Grammy-winning 1993 release, Other Voices, Other Rooms, that was a tribute to all of the great folk artists who had preceded her. I was very shocked and saddened to see that less than two weeks ago, Nancy Griffith died, and I want to pay tribute to her 
at the very end of the episode by playing you a gorgeous song, again on vast existential themes, if you will. This is a song by Kate Wolf, and it's the first track on Other Voices, Other Rooms. Nancy Griffith is joined in duet by the sublime Emmy Lou Harris, and this is Across the Great Divide. Happy birthday, Nikolai Herle. Rest in peace, Nancy Griffith. Rest in peace, Teresa Schilitzgara. My friends, take the memory of all these great artists and keep the song in your hearts. I've been walking in my sleep Counting troubles instead of counting sheep Where the years went, I can't say I just turned around and they've gone away I've been sifting Dusty books and faded papers to tell a story I used to know, and it was one that happened so long ago. And it's gone away. Yesterday, now I find myself on the mountainside. Where the rivers change direction Across the great divide Finest hour that I have seen Is the one that comes between The edge of night and the break of day It's when the dark rolls away and it's gone away and yesterday now I find myself on the mountain's path it's where the rivers change direction across the great divide I'm Daniel 